0: Walking the Dog is a podcast on creation, evolution, genesis, apologetics, biblical issues, and quite frankly, any issue that really takes my fancy that I want to ramble on and on and on about. My name is Paul Taylor, and this podcast is produced on behalf of New Life Creation Ministries and can be found at the website www.justsixdays.com. Walking the Dog, Episode 14. In this show, we're looking at uh, the importance of believing Scripture in the New Testament. The importance of not missing out large parts of what the New Testament has to say simply because we would find it more comfortable to take a cessationist view of the gifts of the Spirit. Instead, we believe all that God has to say to us. And uh, we believe that what He has given to us is for today and to be exercised in the way that uh, scripture teaches. So this may not be of fundamental importance, of primary importance, if you like, but it's still of importance. Because to deny what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church today is to fly in the face of large portions of the New Testament. And I, as a Bible-believing Christian, am not prepared to do that. So that's what this show is about. I trust I won't offend you. Unless God wants you to be offended, but I trust that by listening to this, you'll come into the knowledge of all that God has for us through the operation of the Holy Spirit in today's church. In the aftermath of the Strange Fire conference, I did an interview on somebody's podcast. And I was asked this question uh, because the interview was on the subject of creation. That's what I was talking about—the reason why we believe the Book of Genesis to be completely true. I was ex- uh, going through that and explaining that, and then the uh, the interviewer said, "Well, you're a Pentecostal, aren't you?" He said, "Well, why? How can you reconcile that—the idea of uh, um, the Bible not being complete and adding to." scripture how can you reconcile that with believing that uh, the book of genesis is true you know the sheer ignorance of the pentecostal position is is what comes across in in a comment like that uh because of course pentecostals do not believe um that uh, they're adding to scripture and i'll come back to that in a moment that's not the case scripture is completely finished the canon of scripture is closed um but you know it's 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 dumbfounding really because actually the situation should be the thought the other way around the folks at the strange fire conference were spending a lot of time trying to explain why Large chunks of the New Testament no longer applied to them or to anyone else. And trying to make clear to people like myself who have experiences that uh, accord as far as we can make out with things that go on in the New Testament, trying to explain to us why it is that we have actu- we are actually completely deluded and those experiences come from the devil. Well... Um, how can I justify that position? Well, there's a, there's a lot, there's large portions of the New Testament that cessationists say can't apply today. And let's start by looking at the um, the most well known um, portion of Scripture that refers to uh, the gifts of the Spirit, and that's 1 Corinthians, and particularly thinking about chapters 12, 13, and 14. And of course, you've got to remember the style of what's happening here in, uh, in First Corinthians. This is a letter being written with a certain amount of anger because, because Paul is concerned about things that are going wrong in the church in Corinth. So he's really trying to correct things that are going wrong. And in, and in so doing, it's very helpful to us because when he's correcting things that are going wrong, he's telling us what we should do to do them right. There's the positive correction as well as the negative correction. And uh, the Apostle Paul starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Well, you know, I wonder how the cessationists can really follow this. Well, of course, I, I, I do know to some extent how they can follow it, because I used to be among their number. I used to hold to a cessationist position for many years. And so I know what sort of things uh, were were said. I I read all the relevant books on the subject, but uh, it's it's studying these particular passages of Scripture that really determine that the, that, uh, the cessationist position can't be correct. You see, if the cessationist position was correct, then the Apostle Paul hasn't done a particularly good job. Because uh, uh, he's not wanting them to be ignorant. He's not wanting them to be ignorant about what the gifts are and what they're not and how they're to be exercised and how they're not to be exercised and the fact that they're there. Whereas, you know, the regulations that Paul is giving here, um, there are boundaries, there are regulations for how the gifts should be used. Let's acknowledge that straight up. You know, one of the accusations against Pentecostals and Charismatics is that there are lots of excesses and there are lots of uh, things going wrong And uh, we, we can easily acknowledge that that's the case, because that was certainly the case in the church in Corinth. But you see, in correcting the things that were going wrong, the Apostle Paul tells them what they should do right. And therefore, these regulations about how to exercise these gifts correctly, the cessationists have to say, although those regulations have no relevance to us today, no relevance whatsoever and that simply doesn't make sense because the Apostle Paul is saying I don't want you to be ignorant so it's in that that line that he's going on and saying well there are lots of different types of gifts and there are manifestations of the Spirit uh, for the profit of all different manifestations to each person but all for the profit of everybody so the church is completely edified and we learn about there being different parts of the body some more honourable, some less honourable and uh, chapter 12 finishes by paul pointing out that these things are granted in the church okay now in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 we have a list of things that god has appointed in the church he says first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles gifts of healing helps administrations varieties of tongues okay which of those are relevant today See, the cessationist uh, says that there are gifts there that are not relevant today. But how can you get from the passage that some are relevant and some are not? For example, I presume that they would accept that teachers still exist today. So that's a charismatic appointment, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Now, most cessationists still believe in miracles and in gifts of healings, although there are some that don't. There are some more extreme ones that don't. And certainly, they would tend to believe that people have a gift of helps or administrations. So those things are things that are for today. But they're preceded by things, apostles and prophets, that are not for today, and they're succeeded afterwards. They're followed by things that are not for today, varieties of tongues and so on. How can we know from that passage? How can we not be ignorant? It seems to me far more sensible to read those things and say, well, those are all various things that would happen today. They're not for every person, but they are for every church. And that would uh, figure with the uh, rhetorical questions in, twen- in, ch- in verse 29 are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles do all have gifts of healing do all speak with tongues do all interpret the answer to those questions i think we can safely assume is no now you know i'll very much uh, just go on a tiny bunny trail and criticize some of my pentecostal brethren who insist that everyone has to speak in tongues when they're baptized in the spirit According to this, that's not the case, because this is talking to people who are baptized in the Spirit, and yet says, do all speak in tongues. So therefore, the uh, the corollary of that, the obvious implication is that there are those who do not speak in tongues, but are still baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what about the others? Are all teachers? Well, no, they're not. But are there teachers in the church? Well, of course there are. But not all people are teachers. Not everyone in the church is a teacher. But there are teachers in the church, or should be. So what about prophets? Are all prophets? Well, no, not all are prophets. But the clear implication by the asking of the questioner is that the answer for some would be yes. Not that all are prophets, but therefore that some must be. All are not, some are. And that's the answer for each one of those. So, you know, if I'm prepared to criticize my Pentecostal brethren over their answer to the question, do all speak in tongues? Because clearly the answer to me would seem to be, all do not speak in tongues, but some do. Then the answer must be the same for those who are prophets. The answer is, all are not prophets, but some are So, you know, we have these things, and before you start to make an objection over the word apostles, you know, even cessationists like the publishing company and Banner of Truth, remember them publishing a book uh, called The Apostle of the Peak, about somebody who had a a ministry that was wider than one church, but uh, who was going around um, looking after churches and planting churches throughout the Peak District of England so uh a sort of colloquial use of the word apostle and i think that's the use that's being made here not the apostle as in the person who has seen jesus christ and been divinely appointed by them but apostles in the a wider sense okay we could do a, a long study on on what an apostle is in uh, in the new testament but that would be another bunny trail though maybe useful for another occasion so that's how we have uh, uh, the, the information in first corinthians 12 then and first corinthians 14 will give a lot of information on how these gifts are to be exercised so uh we're told that there must be uh, love being pursued but the spiritual gifts must be desired and uh, that t- is talking about tongues and prophecy. And he goes into a lot of detail on tongues and prophecy and says that those who speak in tongues edify themselves, those who prophesy edify the church. And it seems as if the apostle Paul is saying that we should be thinking and concentrating on the gift of prophecy, which makes sense to me because I believe it's a very important gift for today and uh, he's saying about things being uncertain, uncertain sounds and so on and uh, concludes by um, by saying that uh, you know there must be uh, prophecies are, are not to be confusing there's just going to be a small number of people small number of people maybe speaking in tongues small number of people prophesying these things being weighed by others being judged so that uh, everyone can uh, can benefit from them and immediately you realise um, that the prophecy that's being spoken of is not the same as old testament prophecy because nobody was there to weigh the words of jeremiah jeremiah was a lone voice all the other prophets were, were saying something different they were all speaking uh, comfortable words to the king jeremiah stands against them and says no they're wrong this is the truth that you've got to listen to but he was speaking the very words of god um and uh The the, the New Testament prophet is not doing that in the same way they're getting an impression of what they think God's saying And the reason for that is that they're not adding anything to Scripture. There is nothing will be added to Scripture But you know my church um, Is not mentioned in the New Testament. (laughs) Did you realize that churches in general are mentioned? My particular church is not mentioned in the New Testament So if God has got something to say to the church of which I'm a part, then he'll do it through prophecy But he's never going to say something that's adding to Scripture or opposed to Scripture. It's simply going to be an application to the particular situation we're in. There's going to be nothing added or taken away or changed about Scripture itself. That's what we're to learn. We're to read Scripture and we're to deal with that. So the words of prophecy then are not adding So it's very important then, as uh, the Apostle Paul finishes this section, by saying uh, again that nobody should be ignorant, that if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. But he's trying to say, don't be ignorant. And then he's saying, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. So a genuinely charismatic meeting, charismatic time of worship, should be done decently and in order. But we should be desiring to bring a prophetic word into that situation, and we're not to be forbidding speaking with tongues. A number of creation speakers have been saying for quite a long time that all the major doctrines of the Christian faith depend on Genesis being true. You know, some years ago I thought to myself, well, is that correct? Is it really that important to believe that Genesis is true, and so many people want to take it as a secondary doctrine? So I started looking at some important Christian doctrines, the Trinity, the Deity of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture, the Bodily Return of Jesus Christ, the Doctrines of Faith, and I discovered, yes it is true, all these doctrines and others depend on the truthfulness of Genesis and are far easier to understand when you believe that the early chapters of Genesis are literally correct. So join me in this discovery and find these things out for yourself by getting my book Itching Ears. You can get this from our website www.justsixdays.com Now that's chapters 12 and chapter 14. So we need to just break in there and say, well, what about chapter 13? Because, of course, this is a chapter, at least one little verse in this, is the bit that many cessationists use to say, well, you shouldn't be exercising these spiritual gifts today. Well, why? The Apostle Paul is saying that actually the gift of prophecy is itself not good enough because it's got to be dealt with in love there 's no good speaking in tongues there 's no good exercising a gift of prophecy if there 's no love. Well then he goes on to talk about a few other things. why it is that, uh, that love is so important. The reason is that love remains, whereas tongues and prophecies and gifts cease. Yes, I did say that they do cease. One First Corinthians chapter thirteen verse eight tells us that. Tongues cease, prophecies fail, tongues cease, words of knowledge vanish away. So, because I believe scripture, I'm a cessationist. These gifts will cease, future tense will cease. When will they cease? It tells us in verse 10, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So we have to wait for that which is perfect. Now, this is the thing. The cessationists say, well, the perfect is clearly the canon of scripture being closed. Once scripture came to an end, then there's no need for the miraculous gifts because we've got the perfect. Well, clearly we have the canon of scripture. And there's plenty of other verses in uh, the New Testament that help us to understand that Scripture is closed. There is nothing that we're going to have added to it. So I'm not arguing on that point. I'm simply saying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10 is not to do with the closing of the canon of Scripture. It's very interesting that two more ancient divines like John Gill and Matthew Henry do not interpret the word perfect as meaning when Scripture is closed. They interpret the word perfect as referring to When Jesus returns now which is it well let's read on carefully and let's see what the context says and I'll read that verse again in fact I'll start from verse 9 we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect has come then that which is in part will be done away when I was a child I spoke as a child I understood as a child I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, future tense, I shall know just as I also am known. Now is like a mirror dimly, now is in part. And there's that phrase, in part. Then I shall know as I'm known. Then I shall see face to face. Now, do I see Jesus face to face at the moment? Do I know just as I am known? No, I do not know things perfectly. And when is this that we're talking about? When is the then that we're talking about? Then face to face. Then I shall know. It's clearly when the perfect has come so the perfect has not yet come the perfect is when all things are done away with when Jesus is here that's when the perfect comes and when that perfect has come then there is no need for tongues prophecy and other miraculous gifts so I am a cessationist of sorts these gifts will cease but they have not done so yet and until that perfect comes they will not cease they will only cease when that perfect has come now that is the correct way to interpret these chapters. It's not an interpretation, in fact, it's simply a plain reading. We're reading it, we're understanding that when you have the rhetorical questions asking, do all speak in tongues? It's obvious that the answer is no or don't, but some do. That's clearly how we understand those things. When we have the regulations on how you're to go about speaking in tongues and how you are to go about prophesying, You cannot say that those regulations have nothing to do with us today. Otherwise, we would have to tear this section out of Scripture and say, Scripture doesn't speak to us. This passage doesn't speak to us. And then in the sandwich chapter, the meat in the sandwich, in chapter 13, we read that these gifts are going to come to an end, but they're only going to come to an end when the perfect has come. The perfect has not yet come. And that's why we have these things. We have all of Scripture. We have all of Scripture, and as I said, we can go through lots of verses in the New Testament to show that we have all of Scripture. There will be no new teaching given that's outside Scripture. The prophets who give the New Testament styles of prophecy need to weigh what each other have said. You've got to weigh it, you've got to check. And one of the things that you do when you're weighing prophecy is you say, Is this in accord with Scripture? Is this in accord with the way that Scripture is? You know, if there's a prophecy that says, this, uh, out of the three men you've interviewed for pastor, well, it's uh, Pastor Fred that uh, your church should pick as pastor. Word of prophecy. You weigh that. Is it in accord with Scripture? If it's in accord with Scripture, if what's being said is makes sense with Scripture, then we accept the word given, and we make that appointment, and uh, it's God applying what he says to the church as it is today. Because Paul Taylor is not mentioned in the New Testament. My church is not mentioned in the New Testament. My ministry is not mentioned in the New Testament. When God speaks to us on these things, he will do so in words of prophecy. Which brings us, of course, to the experience we have. And the cessationists have to say the experiences that you have, uh, you have at best misunderstood and fooled yourself. Or at worst, you're listening to things that are not from God. That cannot be the case that cannot make sense. Scripture must be speaking of things that are true. Scripture must be talking about experiences that we can have today. I simply regulate my experience by what I read in Scripture. And the cessationists can't say that experiences don't matter because they know about the experience of salvation. And we to say that you don't have that experience... You know that there were people in the past who didn't think that evangelism was correct because um, of their cessationist views. Uh, When William Carey was trying to persuade people to to take the gospel to uh, foreign nations, places where they hadn't heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was put down by a local superintendent who said, young man, if God wants to save the heathen, he'll do it without your help and without mine that's the cessationist view god won't do these things god is completely sovereign which he is therefore he won't do these things that doesn't follow god will do these things because he's told us in his word and just as it's right for the people who believe in the sovereignty of god to still go out and preach the gospel and evangelize the lost so in the same way it's important to experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit the baptism into the Holy Spirit and experience the importance of the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives and imparts to those of us each, of our, each having our own gifts but imparts them for the edification of the whole church that's why I cannot be a cessationist that's why I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a charismatic. I could call myself a continuationist, but I worry that those ch- people who call themselves continuationists are really only such in theory. It's nice to say the gifts of the Spirit still exist, but I haven't seen them all working properly in my church or anywhere else, so I'd rather they didn't. I believe they exist, but I'm not going to exercise them. And many continuationists, therefore, are practically are practical cessationists. I want to have all that God has to, to for us, despite the risks, despite the danger. I want all that the Holy Spirit has for us. Just as Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, so the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the way that he worked in New Testament times, he still works today, bringing glory to God. Walking the Dog was a production of New Life Creation Ministries. It can be found at the website JustSixDays.com. The program featured Paul Taylor and was produced, written, directed, and everything else by Paul Taylor, who also made the coffee and did all the recording and moved all the little bits around on the computer screen. To find out more about this project, go to www.JustSixDays.com.